We still do seven NUFC Matters show a week for free. But if you want to help support NUFC Matters, then there are a few ways of doing it. Hit the like button on each live broadcast and video. This helps the channel grow. Hit the subscribe button and select the all notifications bell so you don't miss a single show. If you want to help us financially, then you can join the channel using this button with the membership starting at $1.99 a month. Or you can drop us a donation in the chat using a super sticker. We're also looking for sponsors. If you'd like your brand advertised on the flies for the show and featured during the ad break, then email john at nufcmatters.com to arrange today. Good evening, welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. Jordy's here, Jordy's there on the uh, Tuesday uh, after the uh, defeat at uh, Bournemouth. We're not going to uh, bore you with the details of that game. I think we've talked about that defeat enough. Uh, we are, though, uh, with a panel of George, Kevin, Alwaleed, Mitch and Stu. Uh, going to talk about Simon Jordan's little outburst today uh, about Kieran Trippier and uh, on Talk Sport, um, uh, which uh, I've got to be honest, I, I gave up listening to uh, uh, at least a year ago now because it used to just aggravate me uh, for these particular reasons. Uh, Simon Jordan has uh, weighed into the Trippier fan confrontation uh, by saying that, um, you know, you can't basically point to supporters and say during lockdown uh, we missed them. Um, and then, you know, when you've put a bad performance in on the pitch and the fans have travelled and spent a lot of money, um, you, you know, you, 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 know you, you can't take criticism. That's essentially what he's trying to say. I think this is typical of Simon Jordan blowing things out of all proportion. The whole thing was, was put to bed uh, by the fan and by the player. Um, and, and again, Simon Jordan just weighing in, George, on something that really hasn't got anything to do with him. Nets off again. Yes, he's paused. He's paused. We'll have to take him out and bring him back in. He had issues this morning. Go on then, Kev. Your thoughts on that? Like you said, it's um, typical Simon Jordan, essentially. Um, and I heard it a little bit, and I heard other inserts with um, Martin O'Neill and giving his 50 quid what he has, you know. It was nonsensical. I mean, it was... The context of the story was taken out of all proportion from what I heard and what I, you know, what he was saying. And yes, we travelled, well, however, three, four, five, six hundred miles there and back, whatever. Yes, we want a performance. Yes, you want to do that. But again, fans can have their say, absolutely. But after you know, the lad even come out and said, "I've had a few beers. I've had this. I've had that. I was emotional." Well, on the flip side, I want that from my player, Kevin Trippier. I want to show a bit of passion and say, "Hey, look." Uh, yeah, he might have been. 
you know, hot headed. It's like the Miguel, Miguel Arteta thing. You know, he's got every right to come back and say, hey, we're trying here. We've got injured injured players here. We're, we're not just laying down and put on a, on a lounger at the beach. We're not exactly, you know, we haven't down tools. It's showing that, you know, as a captain and as a leader and standing up for the players that he's playing with, this is where I stand. And yes, you can have a goal, but at the same time, you know, posing the question back to the fan, you know, which is fine. Look, the draw a line under the sand of it. You don't, you don't have to make a massive talk sports story out of it just because it's Newcastle United. And that's again, the, 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 the narrative that they always seem to go down. Something happens, something occurs. Well, Newcastle are at fault, you know, and, It'll be headline news for three or four days, and it'll just all blow over. Then something again will happen, and it'll will just recycle. It'll just recycle itself. And um, look, and I, I again, I stay off social media pretty much all the time. I just read and see and look and create my own my own opinions from it all. And um, and it is what it is. Look, move on. We've got bigger. We've got bigger things to worry about than Simon Jordan spouting his mouth off in central London, um, with. Games coming up, international games. What what we may have to uh, look at and see. Um, we're players away. We've got injuries to be more worried about. We've got bigger things, bigger fish to fry instead of worrying about Simon Jordan. Yeah. Okay. Just you. Are you with us or not? Is it your phone? It was. It was me, Mother right. Riggin. Perfect Go on, mate. <laughs> Go on, mate. Simon Jordan. Well. I think uh, Mitch and myself covered it a lot on Sunday in the, the professionals, but has Simon Jordan got a point? Are the players, are they devoid of criticism? Are they protected species where they can, you know, I'm from a sales background and, and I just think if you take the claps, you're going to be able to take the slaps. Now, again, I'm not privy to what was said. But we, I think we need a bit of perspective on this. Simon Jordan is paid to be controversial uh, and stir things up, and that's what he'll do. And it, was, it wasn't the Newcastle fans, it was one fan. And as you said, it's all been dealt with. And there's nothing wrong with him showing a bit of passion and Kieran Tripper showing a bit of passion. Because I'm sure there was a few players, sorry, a few fans there who would have had the same feeling. It's just that he was the one that got hurt. But he's been mad enough to apologise and say I shouldn't have said it. I was overreacted as the heat of the moment. Uh, but that's not going to get the clicks for talk sport, is it? So I think I think with Simon Jordan, you'll throw in a few long words, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But some of the points he makes are valid, not just on this case, but on most cases. But then he goes off on a tangent to to try and justify even further. And again, as I said, that's what he's paid for. But the the way I, the way my interpretation of it is, it was it's something and nothing, and of course the, it will get blown out by the London press who use any any mode of anything they can really to to beat Newcastle with, uh, and if that's the stick with Kieran Trippier, who is and has been for a number of years a model professional, you know. So I think that as we covered on sun, uh, Sunday morning, he was he was probably. Frustrated with his own performance, frustrated with his team's performance, frustrated with the result, uh, and then hear a bit of criticism. He's he's reacted in that way, so uh, I'm sure he's probably slightly embarrassed by it. But at the same time, I'm, I'm glad he's done it. it. It's the one good thing where it happens with your Castle fans is when we get attacked, we start uniting, and that should bring us together nicely for the next game. 
Okay, George, we're still on the same subject. Hopefully you can hear us and you've got your internet. What's your what's your take on Simon Jordan? Yeah. <laughs> With a delay. Paused again, I think. Yeah, he's not having a good night, George, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a pity, but um, Mitch, uh, we'll come to you. We've lost Al Waleed as well. He'll be back uh, shortly. That delay was quality. Um, I am Simon Jordan. Uh, he's, he's got to get some interest in the show during the National Week, and Newcastle United are really an easy target. Like Stu said, we've discussed at length and in, in a little bit of depth about what could or couldn't be going on to make Trippier do what he did, for me, remains just a sign of how much he's invested in Newcastle United, <clears throat> how much he cares. Um, but equally, when you've got somebody like Simon Jordan, who um, some of the tales I've heard about him as an owner of a football club, for him to even vaguely have a conversation about what players should and shouldn't do um, is frankly outrageous the way that I know certain players were treated under his ownership at Crystal Palace. Um, he's just there to make a name for himself, get clicks and likes and hits on social media and get the show listened to. And I'm sure if you take the emotion out of it, if they're talking about something else, it's probably decent crack, which creates a little bit of interest on a, on a breakfast show. Uh, but the reality is, is, Half the stuff he says he probably doesn't mean and nor does he really care um, and nor should we. We're an easy target. We've always have been long before any takeover. Um, anything that people said that was critical, particularly they could find a way under the previous order to get railed up by praising what he was doing or criticising what the fans were doing, for example. So, you know, it, it, it's 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 nothing new under the sun. It never has been. It never will be. We, anybody wants to enter the argument, what makes a club a big club? Well, everybody wants to talk about whether we're good, bad or indifferent and always has done. And we sort of, as I kind of, get a little bit immune to some of it. I, I just don't bite. Distance helps. Um, as I'm sure Kevin agrees. <laughs> um, the, the, the fact that I've got to go out and my way to tune in to talk sport on, on a uh, internet radio um, when there's millions of other things I could be listening to, particularly when I'm in the surgery. Um, that helps a lot as well. But... Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm kind of immune to any of the crap that comes out of his mouth. Mm, okay, I'll believe Simon Jordan, um, a name that even you in Saudi Arabia will know uh, only too well. He's at it again. Uh, he does it for controversy, doesn't he? Uh, well, and to be honest, uh, I don't care much about Simon Jordan. I, uh, I didn't hear or listen to him. Uh, I just remember him from uh, something before the takeover about he did some... He says that the takeover didn't happen. But after that, I never listened to him. Uh, anyway, uh, yani for me, for what happened with uh, Kieran Trebier, uh, I think yani, this is fine. Uh, it's not. Uh, I'm not going to say it's right. And also, I'm not going to say it's wrong. I, um, 
uh, I don't know what what uh, current tribute here from the fan actually, but I think the reaction is fine. We saw players jumping into the fans and have uh, uh, conflict and maybe fight, maybe drop the phones and s- stuff like that. But he was uh, really, uh, uh, it's great that a captain talking to the fans this way. I think this is respectful. Uh, I'm really high uh, valued uh, Trippier as a leader. Uh, maybe this is a way to uh, reaction to uh, what happened. He's, uh, he did everything in in the field as a captain for the team. Uh, um, I think this is just, uh, and as as Doctor Neil says, it's it's uh, just trying for clicks. It's easy to find anything like that to make it a, a subject. So for me, for me, I think this is a, any, uh, what happened. I believe it's more positive than anything else. Okay, a uh, couple of people uh, been in touch just asking how Steve Wilkinson's doing. Uh, I've been in touch with Steve today, um, and uh, he's he hasn't been well, bless him, uh, but he is uh, making slow improvements, shall we say? But uh, I've passed on everyone's best wishes on the platform. Um, I know George was keen to do that, so I'll pass on George's best wishes. But if you're watching, Steve, keep keep old son, and uh, uh, you just uh, you just rest up, mate. You've uh, you've you've earned it, mate. But uh, yeah. Passing on all our best, I'm sure all the lads agree as well. Um, ask George. Well, if we get George, we will be asking George, Tom. Uh, I'll bring him back in again. There he is. George, are you with us? I am. I hope so. Oh, that's better. <laughs> to George, Simon Jordan, what do you think? Well, um, Trippier's, if he's not anything, he's a passionate player about everything. And he's responded to some criticism of his team and he's, and he's tried to, to put it right with the fans it can be a mistake but just sometimes that sort of passion does pay off now afterwards the fan owned up and everybody was happy so um, nah, it, it, Simon Jordan's found something else to talk about that's all it, it is to me uh, and he'll talk about anything he'll talk about two flies walking up a wall but anything to do with uh, things that he had to do with at Crystal Palace he'll not talk about those so no, it's it's a much ado about nothing. I suspect Kieran Tripp is probably a little bit embarrassed today. Um, but apart from that, move on. Uh, the fans that were involved all were seemed quite happy at the end of it, uh, as uh, as were others. And yeah, move move on. It's 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 a storm and a teacup for me. Okay. Uh, don't forget, you can ask George if we still have him on at that period. I will go through the questions. <laughs> so if you've got any questions, ask him. Uh, Kevin, uh, we're going to move on uh, to uh, the transfer window, which um, is only a couple of months away now. We're uh, rapidly moving through November. Christmas will here before we know it, and then we'll be into January. Uh, Dan Ashworth, um, of course, will uh, be working with a list, uh, working on a list with Eddie Howe and, and obviously with the owners and, and looking at the financial fair play and deciding what they can spend, where they need to spend. Do you think with the injuries we've got, um, Eddie, of course, has said that, you know, he hasn't even got a list written out yet. Um, I, I don't believe that, but I would imagine they've already got their eyes on a few players. Um, we're already being linked with the likes of Calvin Phillips again and Ruben Neves' loan, of course, um, is, is another one that's been, uh, you know, founded around. But what, what's what's your take? Do you, do you think that they're looking at the transfer window now and thinking... You know, we might have to change our original targets, or do you think they'll stick to their guns and go for the same ones because players are going to be back, you know, probably by January? 
A bit of both, I think. Once the summer window closed, I think that list was already being compiled for the January transfer, regardless of injury. Um, the, the, that's the nature of football. You're going to have to improve where you need to improve. I think, um, I'm, well, I'm sure there's a plan in place of who. They've probably identified targets already, probably, I don't know, 12 months ago. Um, and again, once that summer, if they didn't get them in the summer, if they're still available for a right price, for the right deal, for everything that we've discussed previously, those names will still be on that list. So I think that Dan Ashworth is a very intelligent manager and he knows what he's doing um, with a new recruitment team in place and finding these little gems around the world. So we'll just have to wait and see if, if it's a loan, but if it's a, it's a uh, full deal. But I think there's, I think there'll be now key areas that they'll like address. For example, centre forward, striker, somebody we need, like we said for for a while on here, that we need a, a, another one in. Um, and I think there might be a, a midfielder, but basically the spine of the team. I think they'll be looking at something within the spine of the team. Um, if that, again, if that's a loan, if that's a, a, a full transfer, we'll have to wait and see. But again, it's just trusting. The people that are in place and why they're employed to do their job to get the players in and and head with Eddie Howe and Dan Ashworth and Steve Nixon and of the like to have that discussion. And I do like what you said. I don't believe that Eddie Howe hasn't written names down that he wants. I think he he genuinely knows who he wants. And again, whether the price is right, then we move forward. If not, then we'll go to the next target. We'll just whittle away and work and work hard behind the scenes to get the players that he actually wants in. And yes, it's not down to really, it's down to Dan Ashworth and the scouting group, but it's really who Eddie Howe wants, not anybody else. It's who he wants and who can improve the team, not be stagnant. It's those who can actually push us on further for a short on a short term basis or on a longer term basis. So I think Eddie Howe knows he's just playing, he's just playing games with the media and playing games with us as fans because we just don't know. And that's the great thing about it. And let's see who comes in. Okay, Stu, um, do you think, oh, Barry's asking a question, do you believe the money will be an issue in January, loans, etc., or is it just more crap being spread about the club's finances? Uh, yeah, we've heard that Newcastle are skint and got no money. We heard that in January, um, in, in August, didn't we? In the, summer, in the summer window, we're told that we had no money to spend. I mean, again, I think that's just the media. Um, uh, reports that we're over £40 million over financial fair play is another one that PDKs has heard. Um, Tom Dixon saying, do you think we'll bring in a defender in January? Lots of questions already. People are already got one eye on the transfer window, Stu. What's what's your thoughts about it? Well, I think the model, ownership model that we've got have already proven that they are proactive rather than reactive. And to echo what Kev was saying there, they would have had targets already assigned 12 months ago, six months ago, 18 months ago. And for each position, they'll have four or five quality players that they think would improve the squad that we've got. And when they become available, they'll go and get them. And that's what happened with Isaac. He, I don't think he was meant to be saying where he was, but he became he came available. He was on their list and they went and got him. So, yes, we've had injuries, but come January, I don't think, or I'd like to think that the injuries list wouldn't be as extensive as it is currently. And... The phrase I would use is knee-jerk doesn't work. Uh, I think Everton have proven that. Chelsea have proven that. There's a lot of clubs out there that will spend money. Panic buy, I suppose, is something that people are more familiar with. 
if we don't do that, now we are also in a position where financially we can take a hit, uh, as in not qualify for certain competitions, which I still believe we will. But they they know where they want to go. They know where we are in the in the ascendancy, and I think it suits the club the more that the press put out that we're skinned because that's the, that's what they want people to think and i'm quite sure they're not and we've already seen a few sponsorships being added and i'm quite certain there'll be more they'll once it gets to the end of the financial year there's no way they'll be even close to worrying about financial fair play that's for certain they're too shrewd too intelligent they've invested too much into this to get caught out in all the adverse publicity that will come with it so if they need to buy a centre-half, they'll get one if that person's available, but they wouldn't just go and buy someone for the sake of it. If they need a centre-forward, if they need a right-winger, if they need a left-back, whatever they want, they, they believe they need, they will get if that player becomes available and will benefit Newcastle United, not just short-term, but long-term. The only time they wanted to buy for the short-term was the, their first window, and that was imperative that we stayed up. Uh, and the, the, Even then, they went and got astute signings and made sure that they got the right people the right personalities to fit the roles. So we're two, three, four windows on now. The the type of player that we'll be bringing in will have to be first team ready or capable of improving the, the squad now. It's not just getting numbers into to stay up. We need to. We know we'll stay up. We need to bring people in who is going to help us go up that next rung of the ladder. And, and that doesn't come cheap. So if we do get people in January, they'll be better than what we've got. And it's pointless buying players when players are going to come back from injury. You know, you, what are you going to do with the players then? You can go and buy players and, you know, then you've got a full squad in January. And, you know, that it, yeah. it is. You've seen people say, oh, we'll get three or four people in January. Well, that means three or four have to leave the squad. I know Tenali's one of them. You know, he, he can't have a squad number come January. But, you know, you've got to start thinking yeah, it's... It's a, a very, very fine balancing act that, they, that they'll have to keep because it's not just, I know we've mentioned this on numerous occasions, it's not just 11 on the team on the pitch on, on a Saturday or a Sunday. It's the squad itself, it's the training ground, it's everything else. And you can't just jettison people out. Yes, we're, I, I'm one of the ones that said you've got to be cut through, but you have to do it in the right way. Uh, and and I, I'm, I'm sure we will. I'm sure if we do make a signing, they did go Anthony Gordon this time, well, in the January transfer window. And that, he's he wasn't an instant hit, uh, but we all begged, give him time. They know what they were doing. They were going for someone with pace, with him, Isaac and uh, Miggy up front. And the time that the three that have been able to play and we've got full full team behind them, we've looked really, really impressive. So they know what they're looking for. It's just whether that player becomes available. And at the moment, two from a window, 12 injuries down in a suspension, of course people are going to start panicking, but there's no need to, the bumps in the road that people are referring to now that we touched on on Sunday, they're going to happen, even when we start winning trophies, we'll still not win every game <laughs> we never, no team ever does so I, I'm relaxed with the direction that the football team's going and how successful Newcastle United will be, and if it means we've got to have a, we had a I mean, what we really had, that was our first loss since uh, Brighton August. game. August. <laughs> first loss in two months, and that's it. That's the, that's the end of the world. So if it's another two months before we lose another game, we'll do all right. 
And even if we lose the next game, which I believe we will win, then it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. You know, as long as it's justified, and as long as the, the players stick together and and what Trippier did, going back to the first point, that actually shows that they're sticking together. So we can all be football managers and say we should sign this player, this player, that player, but they, they've got lists of people who they want already. And exactly. it's nice to watch them get signed. I'm just laughing at cynical Jim. I've never heard anyone compared to a Poppadom. A new striker Poppadom. is a most Isaac and Wilson are made of Poppadoms. I get the <laughs> I get the analogy. Uh, I get the description, Jim. Um, they they're quite fragile. Uh, George, thoughts on the transfer window? Do you think they'll be um, do you think they'll be rethinking it? Additions rather than rethinking, I would say, if if they're going to do anything, because I'm sure that the the names, as Stu's rightly said, the names have been in the hat probably more than several months as to who they would want to bring in and in what position. So um, what the injuries might do is is they, they might adjust them and, and instead of one here and one there, it'll be two there and, and one here. They, but the names, I'm sure, that the players and the quality of the players will already be written down and, and uh, approved, I suspect, by Eddie Howe as part of anybody else. So uh, that side of it doesn't worry me at all. Um you're right to talk about knee reactions, Stu. Hit the nail on the head. For too many years, we watched Newcastle United go out and buy, um, panic buy people who are supposedly had reputations and ended up being cart horses at Newcastle and were transferred out within months of coming. Uh, so don't want any more of that. We, 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 we've got a plan. Let's stick to the plan. Uh, and I'm sure there's names in that plan. And uh, let's have some of those names in. But uh, I, I think that I'd be amazed if they don't already know who they want to bring in. That even means uh, accounting for injuries. So, um, yeah, let's stick to the plan and let's get people in that we that we want. But uh, I don't see it being a great upheaval for the management of Newcastle United because I suspect it's already done. Steve, can I just jump in before you go? I'll forget what I was going to say. Uh, both me and Mitch have got man flu, so that's why we're a bit uh, subdued today. Because uh, we had the hero of Antaxi's 50th birthday, and I got a message from Paul Tweedy uh, who said he was going to buy the Heed of Paintfree's 50th birthday. So I passed that on to Heed, uh, and Heed replied, I hope Paul gets a sat down for his birthday to find it beeping bar. So there you go. I just thought <laughs> I'd mention Brilliant. Okay. Um, I'll believe somebody sent us a question for you, actually. Uh, where is it? Um, within it, it follows the uh, the transfer analogy. Here you go, Alan McKenzie. Uh, says, Al Walid, can you broker a deal over in Saudi Arabia for Jeff Hendrick? He has got to be worth a hundred million or so. <laughs> well, and for me, he's a good player, but it's the circumstances here. But 100 is too much. <laughs> So that's a no. That's a no. Well, you couldn't do it. Well, Lascelles has been uh, been bubbled around uh, talking the fans, especially the fans. They like Lascelles, so who knows? Do you think this? Do you think the the Nevers deal? You know, if if there is no ban on Newcastle or Premier League clubs <laughs> loaning players from the likes of those clubs, do you think that do you think that deal's got legs? Do you think Nevers would would come to Newcastle? I don't think this will happen because Hilal need the player and uh, already have Neymar, have ACL for the whole of the season. Uh, also, Savage have some injury for a month. So I don't think this is an option. Uh, 
uh, and uh, one thing يعني make me uh, before before Nefes go to Al-Hilal it was a rumor that he will go for Al-Hilal and will be loaned to Newcastle so this is I think just uh, just continuous uh, news uh, bubble around I don't think there is uh, any truth in it but it's not impossible Okay. Uh, yeah, for for the January uh, transfer window, I know the club have, of course, as you said, guys, they have a list, and uh, happy for that. But I would like to finish this list very very quickly. We didn't want to spend the whole month uh, wasting the time on the negotiating uh, because uh, this is will. Any I respect that we have long term goals. Any those players will have a contract for five years. But also, we should be more flexible. And it's not bad to bring a player for short-term goal. Uh, you can bring a player for a loan, and you can see it. Because we need the players. We need number of players to continue the season. We have a lot of opportunities in different uh, competitions. Uh, I have to be careful when I see this, but I hope you get the point. For example, before the takeover, you remember we bring Wilson and uh, Joe Willock and uh, for a loan after that uh, uh, long transfer and for uh, transfer for good I think that, that was cost 50 million and look how those players are essential in the house squad and last couple of signing Tonali and Barnes Look how is that end with more than I think 120 million. So uh, we need we need to bring be flexible with short term goals. Uh, we, we we need really uh, players. It's it's not that hard to bring a player even for short term goal. This will help help the club because it doesn't mean that we didn't get uh, the player we want. We 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 just wait uh, for uh, this player for the uh, coming window. And we really need we really need to improve the squad with. And even uh, good players, we shouldn't have a great, a great player or the target uh, A list. Okay, uh, Mitch, thoughts on the transfer window? Are there going to be changes to the plan? Do you think, or do you think they'll stick to the plan? I think they've already shown in other windows that yes, they want to be ahead of the game. They want to have um, proactive moves ready in the transfer market but I think they've also shown that they can be reactive if a good deal turns up if, if something's there on offer to be done or if something needs to be done it'll be made to happen um, and then further windows adjusted accordingly uh, and I think that's the situation we'll see um, no panic here in terms of panic buy we have got to be cautious because we're still treading a fine line in terms of the, the wages to turnover side of things. Uh, we still have a rather large wage bill comparatively with players that need to be um, moved away from the, the squad too. Um, so maybe some more work needs to be done on the getting the players out side of things. But I'm quite sure um, that there'll be wiggle room to adjust if Come January, we really do need to add to that squad. Um, I personally would like to see us, us do so. Um, there's, there's certainly more than the wiggle room to do that. In fact, you may well find that the window's already been adjusted accordingly. 
um, come the opening of the window, because I think I'd like to see where, and I'm sure Eddie says this all the time, he wants to get the players in as early as possible because he wants as much time with the players as possible because, as Anthony Gordon said, not many of them arrive, if any, Eddie Howe fit. So it would be likely to be four to six weeks before we saw them start the first team. So you really want to get them in at the front end of the window. Um, so no panic, and we certainly don't want panic buys. We've done that enough in the past, wasted enough money. We've, we've got to be very, very, very careful how we spend our money still, even with new deals coming in. So I think uh, um, I think we'll see deals done, and I think we'll see them done early in the window. I'm not sure how anybody can claim that we're forty million pound over financial fair play at this moment in time as well. I mean, it's a it's a Twitter account that's put that out. Um, you know, I, I haven't had time to you know guarantee that it's that person, but I wouldn't I wouldn't disbelieve someone in the chat. But I think if you know, I, I just think again, it's you know how on earth you would know. Um, you know how on earth you would sit and calculate that. You know, you. you even the best accountant would struggle Look, to try and work out the finances of a Premier League football Steve, company. Steve, we, we've got journalists who were telling us that Everton were no problem. They were working with the Premier League. They were going to be no problem. Yes, they were going to be close, but they'd found a way around it. And it wasn't going to be an issue. And it turns out they were something like 300 million over. Yep. Um, so it just shows what people know. You don't know unless you've got all the figures at hand. And you're sitting in front of the accounts with people that have prepared them. So, um, again, more white noise in the background. And in some cases, I'm damn sure wishful thinking on the part of the journalists writing the story. Oh, yes. 100%. Halfway through the show time for the ads. Get your Ask George questions in. Thanks, Stu. Go on. You sounded like uh, Max, what, the, the guy who goes... What is he called? We have owners who have made successful careers out of thinking outside the box in creating things. So, pathetically, when uh, Alvalid says Nevers definitely won't be coming to Newcastle, it made me think, how about Casemiro goes to Hillel to replace him because Man United need him off their wage bill and he's not really fitting in with Ten Hag. So, they might have approached Man United and said, well, we'll take him in January. Depends how they vote next week. So, that could be another vote for us. And that could cause its own little triangle. That's just a hypothetical. It's not something I know. But that's how this, how they will do business. We can do this for you. You did this for us. And look how many players went to Saudi in the in the summer. The the oh, oath. So it's not as. Romer Romer Casemiro for Al Nasser. Romer's here. It's still the PAF team, yeah. Mm, interesting. interesting. Uh, I, I'm sure Jordan Anderson will be looking for a, a, an SOS to get out of uh, Saudi as well because he's just been stripped of the captaincy and he's playing in front of less than a thousand people. I don't think he's I don't think he's going to be there too much longer either. But we'll wait and see. Uh, will it benefit Newcastle? Won't it benefit Newcastle? January will tell us the story. The vote next week will as well. Here's the ad. A big thanks to all our sponsors. Skips and bins. Telephone 0800 25 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website, skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay-as-you-go waste collection. Thanks to Mr. Vicky Sauters, Handmade in Cumbria. You can find out more about them from their website, mrvickys.co.uk, or by calling 01768 210102. Thanks to Media Arts for all the help with the video side of things. 
And thanks to United Group Travel, UK coach holiday firm based in Mortmouth. There's no strangers on there to us, just people you haven't met yet. They're now taking bookings for 2024. You can call 01670 632 460 0791 4174 or 07957 141 654 or go to the website unitedgrouptravel.com. Please subscribe to the channel. Hit the subscribe button underneath the video today. We still do seven shows a week. Hit the thumb up under the video to like it. It does us a big favor. Click share to share to your other social media and let people know about NUFC matters. We're also a podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify and other podcast providers. If you want to help the show financially, you can take out a £25 one-off membership. You get a scarf, a pen, a cup and a membership card. How do you get it? Go to nufcmatters.com, look for membership. If you've got a smartphone, then put your smartphone over the QR code and it will take you straight to that section on the website. We also support the food bank on this channel. You can donate to the food bank today by going to nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk. We do support events on this channel as well. If you've got an event, please send it in and we'll promote it. The Time Theatre and Opera House are doing a Keegan, Beardsley and Waddle event, the Class of 84, 25th of January, 2024. Book now by calling 08 249 1000. And the Tyneside Irish Centre, they're doing an event with Frank Clark and John Gibson on Thursday, December the 7th. You can get tickets from nufcmatters.com and they are priced at £15. There's also some uh, tickets available on Group 1. Don't forget, you can catch me five days a week, Monday to Friday, with Rye, Dave and Daz on the Northeast Footy Brecky Show, 7 till 9, and you can catch us on The Red, The Toon and The Cat and on Toon Radio's website. What's up us on the day? 030 043 2002. The perfect way to start your day. Okay, uh, every time we do one of these shows, we do do a little bit of this. Okay, Barry Hogan uh, says, George, I love your amazing stories. Who was the best goalkeeper you ever played with and did they make it as a professional? Mm. I suppose at junior level or at uh, third team level, uh, there's somebody I criticised quite a lot was Brian Harvey, but he did make it. I mean, he had a full professional career, just... Um, he, he wasn't good enough for Newcastle United, didn't like them because he was big. <laughs> you know, he got rid of Ronnie Simpson on the basis that Ronnie Simpson, an international goalkeeper, was too small. And Brian Harvey got in, but not for long. Uh, Brian was a good goalkeeper for stopping things, but his hands were put on hot, so he could, his, his wrists were limp, you know. Um, but I would say Brian Harvey, and, and he played a lot in the first team and had a full career elsewhere. Um, in the lower divisions mostly, but but he had a good good long career. Um, I did have the pleasure of playing once uh, with the great Ronnie Simpson in the third team when he was coming back from injury, but uh, I can't claim that as a as a massive thing. Once wasn't his, his, he didn't actually he didn't actually make him a teammate. But uh, Brian Harvey of the ones that I played regularly with. 
Okay, Tom Dixon says, ask George, who's been our player of the season so far, George? Oh, um, Trippier for me. Um, uh, you know, un until the last couple of games, he's, he's been outstanding. I mean, uh, apart from any anything else, uh, you just need to look at his stats. I mean, he's got better stats than most midfielders in terms of assists and uh, the things that he does. So, yeah, at the, at the moment, it's it's Trippier. Um, I, w I want to see uh, Bruno come in and, and turn that over for the rest of the season so we get the best out of Bruno. But, but at the moment, Trippier for me. I suppose uh, it could be because I... Sorry. Question the, 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 what I was going to say was, the other, the only other thing I was going to say was it, it may be there's a bit of me because I used to play fullback occasionally. Sees, sees somebody that I would like to be. <laughs> okay, Tim says, question for George, where in the world is his best place uh, visited other than Dubai to visit Neil? Oh, where in the world? Um, two places. I, my, my, my heart... Uh, sometimes quite a lot lives in Greece. Um, if anybody, you know, if, if you want a fantastic holiday, Athens, Piraeus area, look at all the, the, the ancient monuments there. It's it's an incredible place. But then America, um, in the 80s, early 80s, I spent um, uh, three weeks, for a month, Neil, I can't remember. It, it was probably two months in, in America on secondment with the American Navy. And uh, I went to Boston. Uh, uh, did some lectures at MIT, which was amazing. Uh, did some work with uh, with the people at MIT. Then I went to uh, uh, Washington to work in the naval research facilities that they have at Washington, and was offered a job there. But Marjorie wouldn't go because it would upset Neil. And uh, and then I went to Texas and uh, gave a lecture to the all of the oil industry in the Astrodome. And if you can imagine standing in the in the in the lower tier of the Astrodome and looking at yourself on a screen that's uh, fifty meters high, and watch yourself talking, it's 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 just awe inspiring. Uh, so th there's the two places. But uh, um, yeah, I, Marjorie used to say, if 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 somebody said to her she couldn't come home to Newcastle, where would you live? And she she would have said Athens straight away. Um, yeah. she, she, the Greek Greeks love Marjorie, so great stuff. Uh, last two, Ian says, Question for George Did you prefer Kev last night when he was off screen? I think he's got a face for radio, says Ian. <laughs> no, I'm a Kev supporter, I'm happy with Kev on the screen. Um, speaks a lot of sense, that young man, actually. Um, and uh, people would do well to listen. PDK says, what law in football that we don't have now, but did back in the day, would George bring back? Oh, I would stop protecting the goalkeepers. Yeah, throw in, Stu, yeah. Um, but we've got it and they just don't use it. That's the annoying thing for me. The rule's still there. No, I, I think we protect goalkeepers far too much and I would I would uh, start uh, putting a time limit on how long they can keep the ball in their hands or, or, or out of play um, because... Uh, uh, if you think about it, um, when I mean, I talk about Ronnie Simpson as being a great goalkeeper. Ronnie Simpson used to have to bounce the ball after every so many steps and get rid of it within, was it 10 seconds, six seconds? Uh, otherwise, it was an indirect free kick. Um, I'm not saying we want to be that draconian, but at the moment, the goalkeepers have a capacity for um, destroying the game if, if they if they use the, the lax, the lax uh, way that... Uh, that, that challenge by referees. I mean, all this 
when the all this catching the ball and lying on your belly, flying flat on your belly, come in. Won't, that's a modern thing. Uh, and the referees have got to tell them they quit it or else. But uh, they won't. They, they, it'll go by. But, yeah, protecting goalkeepers is, is the one I would like to see altered. OK, that's your Ask George for this week. Great answer, George, says Tim. And Ian says, George, you're a legend. End of. So thank you oh. for your words. Thank you. You're very you. kind, all of you. Very kind. Um, we have had a couple of uh, questions, mainly transfer-related. Uh, um, the VAR, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Um, VAR, again, uh, Moza says, so the real VAR recording is being released tonight. All the Arsenal fans will be going crackers again, no doubt. Uh, is there any point in releasing these tapes so long after the event, Kev? Because Moza's right. All that's going to happen is it's going to bring up the whole situation again. People will be talking about it for the next couple of days. It'll give all these people who've got nothing to do because there's no Premier League time to talk about it on TV and talk sport and, and all of that. Newcastle will just get hammered again, I suppose. Yeah, it's just bringing Newcastle into the fray of a, of a story at the end of the day. Um, I think it should be released immediately. Um, and Mitchell will tell you, watching NFL, they'll tell you no stone unturned. Everything's looked at, everything's seen and everybody hears about it. From the base in New York, where the v, their VAR, the video review panel are, or whatever, the it, we're used to that, but it, it's immediate. Then you know, then you can't have an argument. And they say, oh, yeah, well, actually, yeah, that's right. You made a good decision there because you know what's being said. You can't hear what's being said directly to the referee, but the referee has a microphone and they'll call it over the stadium to 100,000 people and say, hey, this is the foul. This is what's happened. This is what's going on. Then you move on. And then there's no, we call it Monday, the, the Monday quarterback. You can't really, you know, the Monday morning quarterback. You can't then have an argument about it. Then you can see the decision why they made it. I think it should be something along the lines of that, of releasing it earlier. Yeah, but you're right in terms of now we've got nothing to really talk about because it's international weekend or two weeks and so Newcastle are going to be relevant right in the front front and centre of everything and so the Arsenal fans will be agitated but again move on again can we not just release it earlier and find out un and understand why day after 72 hours after the game can we not release it and then every the, the whole thing just stops and then but then there'll be something else to argue about further down the road I'm sure but yeah, I think it's, I think again, not bringing American sports into it, but I think it's got to be like a rugby or an NFL approach to where yeah. things have got to be said, even when look on the, the video review system and, but then have a microphone to say, even into a live TV coverage or something of that nature. I promoted a little while ago for people in the St. James Park, especially, we've got one screen right up in the top corner, which hardly anybody can see. Why can't we do it around the board, the advertising board, saying, hey, this is what we're checking. This is what we're looking for. This is the result. You know, do, or, or something of that. So everybody's informed. They might not agree with it. They might agree with it. Might not. But again, it's just ways to use technology, which I think will make people a little bit more calmer and a bit more understanding of why they made the decision. They might not agree with it. Look, it's football. You know, we don't agree with everything, but at the same time, at least you've got a, a reasoning, you've got something, what they've said, of what they've saw or seen. 
and then then we can again move on with the game, move on with the next one, or what you know, as long as there's some dialogue, then every I think everybody would be relatively happy about that. Again, I think they're dragging the heels in, they've got the ten inch stilettos and sand dragging them, you know, and it, it, and it's unfair for the fan. And it's unfair for the, the viewing public and it's unfair for the players of ultimately playing the game because they really don't know half the time what's going on. And it, the, the length of time is the bigger problem. And going into an injury thing based on we've got half of our first team squad out, if you're sitting around five, ten, five minutes for argument's sake and you're sitting, standing there, your body becomes at rest and your body becomes not cool, but then you've got to go again. So that's when sort of repetitive injuries start to come into play or overuse injuries start to come into play. So I think if it's verbalised and things like that, I think it'll cut out a lot of issues across across the board. Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> it's okay. Kev, thanks for that. Alwaleed, what's your thoughts on, on VAR's, you know, the, the situation that the Arsenal game is now going to get brought up again everyone's going to hear about it and you know we're going to hear this VAR should should that technology be allowed to to, to come out earlier should we hear it live on the day uh, well of course it's, it's, it would be better but uh, I'm still thinking why why now Arsenal is a bit far why now they do it why they now they release it it's weird yeah I mean it, it, it's not really something that you know is going to you know, it's not going to be beneficial, is it? It's just going to open the wounds again. Uh, well, um, now it's like maybe they are bored at FIFA days. But, uh, and for example, you know, still VAR, still uh, uh, issues what they play, what they didn't uh, play. Uh, it, I know, I understand it was unique uh, stage with three possible uh, uh, decisions to make this goal not allowed. But I don't think they, they, they do that you know, for favor for Newcastle. A lot of uh, obvious incidents should be in our uh, uh, in our uh, side, but we couldn't. Uh, any, I, uh, I always uh, on Twitter I saw this photo in Bournemouth while uh, the defender uh, pull pull uh, pull out Almiron shirt. It was very very bold. So it, uh, nobody talk about that. It's, for me, it's still. Still, it's not uh, uh, what will make uh, the fans. I think the uh, they are going different. Uh, in some cases, they just uh, doesn't care about or doesn't uh, make a fuss about it. And other uh, yes, so and it's good to have a standard, a standard for everything. I think this will make uh, the fans more happier. Yeah, lots of opinions coming in, Stu. Uh, manager should have three challenges. VAR should get involved, not, not get involved at all unless the manager tells the fourth official. Uh, the biggest problem with VAR in our league, sadly, isn't the ineptitude. It's the secrecy. The technology should be live. Yeah. It works perfectly well in rugby and nobody argues. Um, yeah, lots of lots of opinions, as always. But, I mean, this just bringing this out now, you know, two weeks after the game, Stu. It's... The, the thing is, Steve, it's the, the thing with VR is not going to go away until it's managed properly, and that's it, until it's operated properly. Now, if what we've got is the, what the VR should be there for, is meant to be there for, is for clear and obvious errors. Now, if it takes three, four, five minutes to 
to try and dissect something, is it correct or not, then that's them playing God. That's not pointing out a clear and obvious error. Uh, so maybe they, they should introduce a time limit, like say 30 seconds. If there's nothing that's proven within that time, then the referee's decision stands, gives some power back to the referee. But then if you're going to be sceptical or go down the conspiracy theories, some people might take longer to make a decision to suit certain teams rather than others when it would go against them. You see, oh, well, the 30 seconds have elapsed, but yes, it was really a penalty, but we didn't really get that angle until... So there's there's so many ways about it, but what we haven't got is is consistency across the board. When I say that in all the leagues, because the VR rules are different in the Champions League to what they are in the Premier League to what they are in the UEFA competitions, um, as in the, the national teams. So we, we need to have where everyone is familiar with the rules so the the referees do get the power back and I mean, at least then they're they're in a position to say look this is the call but to me too much has been is is being made of it and as kev said it's it's a slow news week with it being international week so who's good for news and it's newcastle now what they should be doing instead of trying to apologise to Arsenal fans that they're bringing it up again or warning them as the as the message went out to just to warn Arsenal fans warn them what? That it wasn't out the ball wasn't out to warn them that it wasn't a foul and to warn them there was no offside and it was a perfectly good goal given what's it a warn them about? they need to just suck it up buttercup and get on with it but the the main thing is with the what I, what, what they should be doing tonight instead of trying to dissect again and, and bring it up why aren't they having an hour's program on where is Arteta's call from the Premier League to explain his words after the game was that not bringing the game into disrepute because that seems to have just been washed away and all he was doing was deflecting from a very poor performance because we battered them we, we scared them for the second time in three visits to St James's we intimidated them and got the better of them and he knew it. His team bottled it that day, and we beat them. And he came up with that. It came straight out of the Ferguson uh, textbook. If that had been, I don't want to say if that had been anyhow. Let, let's just say, had that been Sean Deitch, he would have been up, up and charged by the FA by now. Absolutely would have. So why is Arteta allowed to say these things? And if he said it wasn't about the referee, it wasn't about that. Get him up to explain it. What was disgusting? What was embarrassing? What was disgraceful? Uh, talking about his own team's performance, but that's not the way he went on, was it? So he, he's, he's been proven wrong, but look at the fury that's happened since. Look at the column interest in Scott. Look at the, even now, two weeks later, we're talking about it. You know, it's it's still get, gaining media publicity. And this is what needs to be stopped. He needs to be nipped in the bud. Because what he said was wrong, what he said was disrespectful, what he said was unprofessional. And he should be getting charged. They shouldn't be looking at a goal that's already been given. Because that just, again, fans the flames. Get him charged. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What's your thoughts on this? The Mitch, the VAR, it'll be out tonight. Should it be um, out earlier? If they've not helped themselves by giving it two weeks before releasing this now, so you watch on social media, we'll have a section of the Arsenal tinfoil hat brigade out now saying, um, I've done a voice analysis and look at how these these voices have been dubbed and changed and cut and there's a definite gap here. And you watch, watch it all come out now. They've, 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 
what they've done is they've thought, oh, there's there's a fire, it's going out. What we're going to use to put it out, this fire blanket or this big um, can of petrol. And what they're going to do is pour the big can of petrol on the embers of a fire and watch it flare up again. It's ridiculous. They haven't helped themselves at all with CNO two weeks later. And that's for warning Arsenal, warning them for what? That they're going to be butthurt again. Because nothing that anybody does, nothing is going to change the result. Newcastle United won, Arsenal nil. That'll be in the record books for time immemorial. And when it's long forgotten, people won't be talking about VAR. And when it is released, I hope somebody gets hold of the video and overdubs it with somebody with a Jory accent. Saying, get on, give the goal. Give the goal. It's a goal, man. Go on. Something like that. Let's just make it out the fast that it is. <laughs> and, and I've seen people saying, well, what do we do if, if they aren't sure? Exactly that. If they are, can't say anything wrong with what the on-field decision is, you go with the on-field decision. That is the point of VAR. And Stu's right. Arteta still hasn't been pulled, pulled up. And he should be. Because everybody in the dog has said, that's a goal. It stands. Get on with it. What he did after that game was pathetic. Um, I think it was uh, uh, interesting that when Luke Edwards challenged him about, well, why do you think it shouldn't have been given? He couldn't actually bring himself to answer the question. He just said, is that the question? Really? Then got all huffy and like a teenager about it. Which again tells me you can't give me a, a sound argument as to why you think that goal shouldn't stand. And so, um, you know, it, it, again, it's like all they're doing is trying to cover their own ass at the FA with AR. And, it, and it's not the technology, it's how it's used. No other country seems to have the level of problems with it that we do. It's reflective of the standards of officiating in our country and it's reflective of, of the. Um, pathetic desperation um, and and the erosion of the power of the on-field referee. It feels like the on-field referee at the minute in the English game genuinely is rarely in charge of the game um, and, and is frightened to make a decision. And that comes from, though, reactions like Arteta's, reactions like Klopp's. Reactions from people like Ten Hag kicking off when they don't get their own little way, um, and that's where the FA is getting it wrong, and the Premier League rather is getting it wrong on two fronts. But the, releasing the transcripts two weeks after, telling you now, you watch social media tomorrow. There'll be loads of specialist analysis from so-called experts telling you where the gaps in the audio is, and there must be words missing from there, and there must be this missing from that, and this voice doesn't sound like that voice, and. I stuck it under a spectral analysis. It's just going to go crazy again. All from that end, we should just sit back, enjoy a nice hot cup of tea, and uh, watch the shenanigans unfold. George, you're going to be able to hear it tonight. Should it have come out earlier, the Arsenal VAR stuff? Yeah, it, it should have. On, on the day of the match, when it happened, that's when it should have come out, not two weeks later. Um, or the other thing that people forget about Arteta's rant, he was deflecting criticism from his team because they spent 90 minutes against Newcastle and had one shot on goal. Our goalkeeper didn't have a save to make. He had one catch to make. It wasn't even a shot. Um, and that's, that's what upset him, I think, more than anything. And Stu was right. We actually battered them. No wonder we've got tired legs in the last couple of weeks. 
that those lads have been through hell uh, in, in different games. And until they get the system that works in rugby, it works in cricket, works in American sport, where everybody can hear what's said, it'll, it'll never go away. Because there's always going to be the conspiracy theorists at the end will say, ah, but... What did they say then and what did they do that? Look at look at last year, the, our Crystal Palace game, when the fullback called Mitchell <laughs> uh, pushed pushed uh, um what's his name? The uh, Willick in the back. That's the only angle that VAR didn't look at. Somebody should have been asking why. Because they should look at all the angles, every angles, like they do in rugby, like they do in cricket. It, 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 and you hear exactly what's said. And until that happens, VAR is going to be a hostage to fortune and a hostage to conspiracy theory and a hostage, hostage to corruption. Some people are actually saying that the people at Stockley Park are corrupt, which is dreadful. What does that say about our national game? Um, it it doesn't say a lot for me, I'm afraid. So yeah, the, the lads are right. It, it it's wrong. It should it, if it if it's going to be done, it's going to be done at the time that it happens. The other thing I'd come back to, I talked about charging Arteta. What about charging his team? While we were waiting for an out of ball decision, an offside decision, a foul decision. The Arsenal players were standing around the referee, every one of them, even the goalkeeper came up. And then Steve, Steve Hasty said to me, he says, if, if, it, if they're there much longer, you get a kettle out and he'll give them all a cup of tea. That's how close they were. And yet Manchester United last season, because they all crowded round the referee, they, they were fined. Where's, where's the fine for, for Arsenal for that? They should have been chased away. And that, that's to do with the referee as well, of course. He should have had the, the, the sense to do that. So there's lots of things in it. But the, the, the least thing in it, is our oh, Neil's absolutely right. The least thing in it is we beat Arsenal one out, and you're never going to get over that or change that, you know. Um, and and it, 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 because it's Arsenal, it, it grinds on me. I think I said to you all the other night, my history of, of football is when you talked about Arsenal, you didn't talk about Arsenal, you talked about the Arsenal because they were the club you wanted to aspire to. They were the best on the field or they were best off the field. Um, you know, they, they were the grill, grill cream boys and all that sort of thing. And everybody wanted to be with the Arsenal. No, the Arsenal now, they're tripe. They're worse, they're worse than, than, than others now. They're so bad and whingy. And all and most of that's down to Arteta. Um, at least with Wenger, there was a semblance of uh, uh, of uh, common sense and, and, and honesty in it. But with Arteta, it's just raw emotion and he can't control it. And if he can't control it, then the football Premier League should. Plenty of opinions. Uh, some great uh, rants tonight as well. Uh, thanks to everybody in the chat. Thanks to everybody watching. Thanks to Kevin. Thanks to George, Alwaleed, Stu and Mitch. Back tomorrow, six o'clock with uh, the journalist Ian Murder. Uh, always great to have Ian on. And Thursday, Superman Gibbo is six o'clock. And Friday, the Amigos is at five at usual. Uh, good night from Kevin's dog as well. Uh, we uh, are off. Take care, lads. See you later. See you. Cheers,